I want to welcome those who are worshiping with us on LifeGate Outreach TV or listening to the voice uh, versions of this message on Buzzsprouts or on Apple Podcasts. I want to say God bless you. You are very welcome in Jesus' name. We have been on a series on the discernment of basically the gifts sanctified by the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And of a truth, we have been seeing God manifest in wonderful ways. We thank God because he has been showing himself strong ever, this, ever since this series started. And um, we have looked at quite a number of the gifts. We have looked at word of wisdom, word of knowledge, the gift of faith, the gifts of healings, the gift of working of miracles, the gift of prophecy we looked at last week, and uh, today, by the grace of God, as it circled on our banner, we'll be looking at the gift of discernment of spirits. The gift of discernment of spirits. Now, I want to just encourage you not to take this. I'm sure some of you here, if not all of you, would have heard about the spiritual gifts before now. Um, I've been hearing about them for donkey's years, 40 years plus But you see, the truth of the matter is that the word of God is fresh every time we hear it. And there is something God wants you to learn in every season, you hear it again. The Bible says there is something about line upon line, precept upon precept. So when you are at a line, every time you hear it again, it puts another upon line. Somebody say upon line. When you hear it again, it puts another upon line. And it goes on and on like that till we become exactly like him. Hallelujah. The Bible says we all are beholding him as in a mirror and are being transformed from one image of glory to the other. We are glorified people, thank God, but there is an ultimate glory that awaits us that will only be happening as we get the washing of the water by the word. And so keep engaging with the word of God. I am very sure that at some point when the Holy Spirit allows again, we'll come back to this series. I don't know when. It could be one year. It could be five years. It could be ten years. It could be one month. I don't know. Jesus starting to come. We will keep going line upon line, precept upon precept. But I want to encourage you today that as we study this wonderful gift of the Spirit, something new will happen in your life. In the name of Jesus. We have always read from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, and the Bible makes us to understand in that place that um, the Bible says, Now may the God of peace himself, thank you very much, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord. That is that glorious moment I was talking about just a few minutes back. Now I want us to understand this. We have been reading this verse Every, every time in this place. But this is the essence of sanctification. It is total, spirit, soul, and body. The body of Christ has concentrated for a long time on spiritual sanctification because it starts from there. When the Bible says we become a new creation, all things have passed away, it means we become born again. We have a new spirit given to us by God. And now we now listen and obey and do life by the spirit of God. But also our souls, the Bible says that there is a process of being transformed by the renewing of our mind. And even our bodies continue to be healed, continue to be delivered from infirmities, weaknesses. And so let us continue to engage with the total sanctification that the word of God has promised. 
So the gifts of discernment of spirit is listed among the gifts that are in the body of Christ. We read this from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 10. Let's read it again. We read it last week. We'll read it again. And we'll read it again next week because it covers the series for these three weeks. Let's go together now. To another, the working of miracles. To another, the discerning of spirits. Sorry, let's go again. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. So in that verse, we have miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. The four gifts there. So this gift, I want to just quickly make some emphasis that will help us. It's not just the gift of discernment. Many believers say, this is the gift of discernment. It didn't say it's the gift of discernment. It is very clear, and that's why I take time to get us to look at the titles when we go to healings. Remember I said it's the gifts. It was the only one that said it's the gifts of healings, and we we explained that in that series. But you see, this is the gift of discernment of spirits. It is not the gift of discernment alone, because discernment in itself is not necessarily a gift of the Holy Spirit. Anybody with any kind of wisdom can discern things. Natural wisdom can decide that this is hot and this is cold. It doesn't need the Holy Spirit to touch a hot surface and a cold surface and you say this is hot, this is cold. It doesn't need the Holy Spirit and that is discernment. Discernment in itself is just the ability to separate, the ability to know between good and evil, right and wrong. The ability to know that something is high, that something is low. All of that entails discernment. But what we are talking about is the discernment of spirits, which refers to the recognition. Somebody say the recognition. The identification. Say the distinction. Between various kinds of spirits. Say between various kinds of spirits. So we are talking about recognition. We are talking about identification and knowing how to distinguish between various kinds of spirits because in this life there are various kinds of spirits and I'm going to explain to you because many people again think discernment of spirits is just about demons. Of course it's part of it but it's not all of it. So there is the place that we need to understand that it is about different kinds of spirits. These spirits influence people or situations. You can enter a place and some of the spirits will be at work either in people or through people or through the weather or through something, and they can bring a lot of chaos. When Jesus said, peace be still, he put in place on the boat when the winds were blowing, he put in place the force of a higher order of spirit that stopped the natural spirit that was manifesting through the weather. Praise the Lord. And so we must understand that discernment of spirits refers to those things that help us to look at the workings of spirits. And again, notice the word spirits in your Bible and in mine has the small s. It is not the capital S. So this is not a gift of the Holy Spirit that allows us to know more about the Holy Spirit. 
It is a gift of the Holy Spirit that allows us to know more, identify and distinguish and know the operation of various kinds of spirits with small s. So anything with humans, anything with demons, any kind of spirits that are not the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God can be discerned by this gift. And I need to also emphasize that the gift of discernment of spirits is given by the Holy Spirit even though it is by the Holy Spirit, we need to understand that it has a place in our day-to-day -day living. Like any other gift, we have said over and over, it's not just for us to come to church and demonstrate these gifts. They have a place in our day-to-day -day living. And I'm praying that God will be opening our eyes to see how we should desire these gifts and manifest them in the various places of our day-to-day -day operations. This gift has nothing to do with assumption it has nothing to do with suspicion and it has nothing to do with presumption somebody say it is not assumption it is not suspicion and it is not presumption i'm saying this because with my little years of being in the church life so far, a lot of people walk by assumption and they say they are operating the spirit of discernment. They just assume things. A lot of people presume things. You know the difference between assumption and presumption? They are very close. Assumption is just pulling something out of the air and just, this is my own definitions, you can check it in the dictionary. Assumption is just pulling something out of the air and using your gut feeling or what you think should be the case and just applying it to the situation. Scientists do it a lot. Scientists will have one or two experiments, they want to do five. So they look at the two, the remaining five, they don't know what to do, then they assume that some variables are constant. <laughs> and then that's where they start to confuse you. <laughs> that is to say, I don't know what I'm doing now, but I have to carry on, so I'll do it anyway. <laughs> that's what assumption does. He just assumes something and then comes out with a result that nobody understands. I say, that's the result. Everybody say, yeah. <laughs> Science is very interesting. Very, very interesting. Until somebody else comes with a bigger assumption. <laughs> I say, that man is not serious. <laughs> this is the proper one. So the spirit of assumption is not what we're talking about. Presumption is very close. Presumption takes a little bit of what he knows and just simply makes a further presumption, a further judgment. Let's say, for example, if somebody observes, I'm just giving an example now, this is not the way it is, but if somebody feels that the way pastor used to dress, on the first Sunday, he dressed one kind. Next Sunday, he dressed one kind. And then he's so sure that the third Sunday will dress in one way. That is presumption. <laughs> because you, you guessed the first two, and then you think you will know what he will wear the third day. And these are spirits that, these are things that people do at times in the name of the discernment of spirits. They just presume. That's that brother, that sister. Mm. <laughs> they are not married, but mm. <laughs> what is mm? <laughs> they just presume because the two people are close, they talk a lot. But they have nothing to do. You have no clue what has bound them together. Now, I know that in some cases, maybe there are. But in many cases, people just presume. Because they see two people talking regularly. These are nothing to do with the spirit of discernment. The same thing, uh, the, 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 the gift of discernment of spirits. The same thing with suspicion. Suspicion. People just suspect. 
So these are not the things we are talking about. Those are carnal things that at times may work, but they are not necessarily what we are talking about. The gift of discernment of spirits is purely the work of the Holy Spirit to help keep the church sanctified. Every example we saw in scriptures in the manifestation of this gift, it showed very pivotal points where the church would have been led into error. When Ananias and Sapphira were the first set of people in the, in the upgrowing, in Acts chapter 5, upcoming growing church. And then they were about to introduce the spirit of lies and deception. And by discernment, Peter, who was leading the church at that time, was able to pick it up. And God showed that it was very easy by this same gift for such things to be removed from the body of Christ. The same thing with other examples that we'll look at. I'll give, quickly give us three ways that we need to understand how to engage the spirit of discernment. I will put demons last because I know that's what you want me to talk about. So I will not start with it at all. If I start with it, you will not listen to the other two. <laughs> Believers like to pursue demons. <laughs> They like to pursue demons. So I will not start with demons, but be assured it's on the list. So <laughs> before you say, Pastor, please get to demons, get to demons. We will talk about demons. But you see, some of these, the first two, are so equally as important, especially the first one, but basically all of them. The first type of spirit that we need to have this gift to help us to operate, to overcome, is the natural human spirit that works through what the Bible calls the works of the flesh. Let's read Galatians chapter 5 from verse 19. If we don't understand this, many times the things that happen to us, we think they are caused by demons, but they are not caused by demons. They are simply caused by our own flesh. I'm telling you, if the devil can open his mouth to speak many times, when the people say it was the devil, the devil will say, I did not know about that one. <laughs> Please, I did not know about that. I'm sure if we can hear him many times, he'll be saying that. Because there is something about the flesh of man. The Bible calls it the works of the flesh. This has nothing to do with the devil anymore. Yes, he orchestrated it after man fell. Everyone born into this world was born into sin. You have heard that before. And we were born with this kind of traits naturally. You don't need to teach anybody to do these things that the Bible leaves for us, leaves for us in Galatians chapter 5 verse 19 because they are natural. But when we become born again and become supernatural, they tend to contest the space with us and still try. That's why Paul said, I die daily. I look for those things that are not yet dead in my old man. I kill them daily. Let's read together. Now, everybody go with me, verse 19. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, which are what? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, and lewdness. Before we go to verse 20. You know, go back to verse 19. Thank you. These four things... And every one of these things has a spiritual, uh, um, a, a godly spirit that should be what we are manifesting. But the devil perverts them. These four things, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, and lewdness, have to do with sexual impurity. These are natural traits that are born with every one 
person who is born into this world of a woman. Now, sexual purity is of God. When it is done in the proper context of marriage that God has designed, it is to give pleasure and to help for the procreation, the work of multiplying and increase. But the devil, when man fell, took that wonderful gift of God and perverted it and manufactured adultery, which is relationship between married people, uh, that a married person that is not, the relationship is not within their confines of their marriage. As long as one person is married, but they are relating with somebody that is not their spouse. And fornication, two unmarried people having such kind of an affair. Uncleanness talks about the kind of things that happen in terms of perversions. This kind of tendency to just want to be nude, to want to be provocative, to want to be seductive. That's uncleanness. This lewdness wants people to be into things like pornography and these terrible kinds of perversions of this thing. Now, I'm making this emphasis because, you see, in the body of Christ, when people fall by these things or they, they find that they are struggling in these areas, they say, oh, it is the devil that is so strong. It is the devil that is making me fall. No, it's not the devil. It is the flesh that is refusing to die. It is the flesh that we are refusing to crucify. It is the flesh that we are refusing to bring before the to bring under the blood of Jesus and by the testimony of our redemption. It is the flesh. And so we must understand that we need to be able to discern. Everybody can discern if they are under the yoke of these particular kinds of the works of the flesh. Every individual but unfortunately, like I said, in the body of Christ, many people do not see themselves. They always look at others. And what God is saying is that take time, examine yourself. There is nothing wrong with you if anything in the works of the flesh is still continuing to try to rear up in your life because you are only going through what every Christian goes through. You say, but Pastor David, the Bible says that if any man be in Christ, is a new creation, all things have passed away, all things have become new. Yes, very true. But the reality is that you must understand that as all things have passed away, all things have become new, the devil also does not want you to remain sanctified and so he brings up those things from time to time. When I was thinking about this, I said, how best can I illustrate this? Can you imagine if you come from a family and uh, the queen of this country, Her Majesty, calls you and says, I want to adopt you as one of my princes and princesses. And from today, you will have equal privileges with the likes of Prince Charles and so on. And uh, before you know it, in 24 hours, you are in royal robes and you are in Buckingham Palace. Just imagine it. Don't, don't be carried away. <laughs> and you are right there. Now, you are the same person that used to belong to a family. Now, do you know that your family can continue to talk about you? Your old family. They can continue to say, oh, that was our son before he was adopted by, by the queen. That was especially when they bring you out and things are shining about you. Everybody wants to identify. It's the same way the devil is seeking to keep manifesting those things in your life. Even though he knows you are now a new person. It is foolhardy for such a person in royalty to now go back to his family and start living like he was before. Because now he has been translated into a position of royalty. Am I making any sense? This is how it is in the spirit. When we are born again, we must understand. 
And so we do everything we can to keep resisting these works because the devil's device is to make sure that we are perverted by them. But you will not be perverted by them. In the name of Jesus. Let's read verse 20. He says, idolatry, verse 20 now, verse 20. He says, idolatry, let's go, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, and heresies. Again, these are a set of sins that always contest, especially idolatry and sorcery. They are contesting for the worship of God. They are sins that are inherent in the human nature that wants to contest for the worship of God. This is why at times you suddenly feel that there is no God. This is why at times something just wants to put your mind away from the things of God. You don't feel like praying. You don't feel like doing the things of God. Yet you feel like doing other things. These are the works of the flesh that manifest in these forms. Now we must understand this has nothing to do with demons. This has nothing to do with uh, uh, the, 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 the forces of darkness per se. These are things that are part of the fallen nature of man and we must identify them. Anytime we find that we are losing our zeal for the things of God and we are constantly finding ourselves in a place where we are preferring those things the more, the work of the flesh in idolatry is setting in. It's trying to bring itself up and we must put it down daily. Anytime you feel an urge to just want to go and get this person in the corner to fortune tell, to tell you your stars, to tell you what, what you will be doing tomorrow, what you'll be doing in five years' time, and something is just pulling you in that direction, you are gradually being lured by the, by the works of the flesh in sorcery in that regard. And you as a person must be the one to deal with it. It takes the discernment of, it takes the gift of the discernment of spirits for you to be able to identify it and deal with it in your life and in the life of others. We can go through all the works of the flesh, you know them all, but I just want to say that they are the first things that we need to be constantly discerning on a daily basis. Look at the word, the Bible talks about dissension, selfish ambitions. If the world was rid of selfish ambitions alone, half of the world's problems will be solved. Most of the chaos we have in developing countries today is because of selfishness of leaders. Leaders who take the whole wealth of the country and put it in their own personal bank accounts. And the people are impoverished. Leaders who have killed their own conscience because of selfish ambitions. We as the believers and body of Christ must continue to recognize that this is something that every individual has to continue to crucify. Don't say you have ever outgrown anything. Anytime you see a tendency where you are not seeing it easier to prefer others, you need to know that selfish ambition is setting in. Dissensions, always trying to cause factions between brothers and sisters, between husband and wife. Some people are experts in ruining other people's homes. And they don't even know that this is a work of the flesh. If you find yourself being a person that when there are two friends and uh, you join the group as the third friend and before one month, the two friends are not talking again and it happens over and over. You need to check it. It's a walk of the flesh of dissensions. <laughs> Hallelujah. There are people like that. Some people don't even know. They are not even sensitive enough to realize that they just 
have that spirit manifesting in them through their flesh. I am making this emphasis because it takes the gift of discernment for us to recognize them. But God will keep exposing them in our lives. In the name of Jesus. Verse 21 talks about envy. Envy, murders. Envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries. Envy. Envy is another problem. It is so much of a problem now in the body of Christ as well. That people cannot even comfortably share testimonies again in many churches on our planet today. Because they are afraid that people will be envious. So people go and they share part of the testimony because they are afraid that their own brothers who should rejoice with them, their own sisters who should rejoice with them, will get envious. Envy is such a plague. Pastors envying congregation. Congregation envying pastors. God have mercy. (laughs) Hallelujah. The reality of these things is that they are works of the flesh. We are all born with them, whether you like it or not. Even if your name is Jesus. Do you know there are people who are called Jesus? When I was very young, I saw a player for the first time in my life. He was a Brazilian player. They called him Jesus Zamora. I, I went to my father. I said, this man's name is Jesus. He said, yes. I said, how can he be bearing Jesus? <laughs> I was only eight years old. <laughs> I'd never seen such. But there are many Jesus, apparently, especially in Brazil. It's a very popular name there. So even if your name is Jesus, you are born, as long as you are born of a woman and you are not that Jesus that we all worship, you were born a sinner. And the seed of adultery, fornications, the seed of lewdness, the seed of uncleanness, the seed of idolatry, the seed of sorcery, the seed of dissension, the seed of envy, murders, drunkenness are born with you naturally. You need to see when you are born again, you need to allow God to give you the grace to be able to discern and see how they are operating so that you can be dealing with them. But God will continue to give you victory over them. In the name of Jesus. So we must seek to discern these things in us so that we can deal with them accordingly by the blood of Christ and by the testimony. The Bible says, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. What is your testimony? The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So anytime you find yourself in any of these things, you continue to say so. You say, I am redeemed of the Lord. I am no longer bound by Satan. Remember that song we used to sing? I'm no longer a slave to sin. You continue to confess those things and you plead the blood of Jesus. Then you physically help yourself. If you are given to drunkenness, you cannot afford to keep friends that drink. You can't because they will make you drink. If you are given to adulteries and sexual sins, you've got to look at the kind of friends that you keep. Those ones that will encourage you in that area should not be your close friends. We need to now take steps as we submit ourselves to the blood of Jesus. But this comes by the discernment of spirits. And I pray God will give us more understanding in Jesus' name. In Isaiah chapter 6, we read of this great prophet who saw that he was a man of unclean lips. Isaiah chapter 6 verse 1. He said, in the year that King Uzziah died, it's on the screen, read it with me. I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Let's go to verse 5. Let's read together. It says, so I said, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Look at that. I have unclean lips, but my environment is not helping me as well. 
That's why I said you need to be checking your environment. This man discerned by himself. God did not tell him, Isaiah, my prophet, Isaiah, my son, you are, you are a man of unclean lips and you are dwelling. He by himself discerned. This is how the spirit of discernment works. The Holy Spirit will walk in you to see the things that you need to put before the altar. He said, and I dwelt in the people of what? Unclean lips. He said, but for my eyes have what? Seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Verse 6 says, then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongues from the altar. Verse 7, let's read that together. And he touched my mouth with it and said, behold. This has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18 says, Come now, therefore, let us reason together. Even if your sin, your sin be as crimson, he said, they shall become as white as snow. Even if they are red as crimson, they shall become as white as snow. What God wants to do with you and I is to purge us of every manifestation of the flesh. But if you cannot discern what you need to discern about yourself, not even God can help you. God was looking at Isaiah, fearsome man, one of those great prophets that prophesied the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Highly respected, highly regarded. God was looking at him, waiting for him to come before his throne and acknowledge what was in him. He said, for I, my eyes have seen the Lord. He said, for my eyes have seen the king. My eyes have seen the king. When you see the king, you see who you are. When you see the word of God, you see who you are. The Bible says it is like a mirror. I see the mirror of the word of God like this. Every time you look into it, you don't just see your image as yourself alone. You see where you are now and at the same time, supernaturally, you see where you ought to be. And so with that wisdom of God, you are able to start to ask God to help you to become that image that you ought to be. This is the spiritual mirror that the Bible was talking about in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. We are beholding him as in a mirror. He said we will be transformed from one image of glory to the other. As we look into that mirror, the perfect law of liberty, we see who we are, but at the same time we see who we ought to be. It is in seeing who you are and who you ought to be that makes you know what you ought to intercede concerning yourself. It takes the spirit of discernment for you to be able to see. Otherwise, you will always think. The Bible says, he that thinks he stands, let him take heed, lest he falls. I have seen over and over again pastors, preachers, unfortunately, criticize ministers who have fallen. It is not a good thing to fall. It causes a lot of problem in the body of Christ, whatever that kind of fall may be. But you know something? When a man falls and all we do is to knock them down the more, a woman falls and all we do is to knock them down the more, what we are doing is sowing a seed for falling for ourselves. In this, my few years of life so far, I have seen where somebody 10 years, 15 years was criticizing a particular person for falling in certain areas. And then 10 years down the line, they even fall in a worse thing, <laughs> thing than what they were complaining about 10 years ago. We are all subject to these fleshly tendencies. We need to keep discerning. We need to keep discerning and keep bringing them before the Lord and saying, Lord, have mercy on me. Hallelujah. And I pray God, as, he touched, as, he, as God touched uh, the mouth of Isaiah, I pray that the Lord God Almighty will touch you. The Bible says, and he touched my mouth with it and said, behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away. I say your iniquity will be taken away. Your sin will consistently be purged. 
by the spirit, the great gifts of the discernment of spirit, you will see everything in your flesh that needs to die in the name of Jesus. Secondly, angelic spirits. Many of us do not understand that angelic spirits need to be discerned. The Bible says that many times we see strangers and push them away and that many people by so doing have pushed away angels. God sends us angels, but they are ministering spirits. Look at Hebrews chapter 1, verse 7. The Bible says, and of the angels, he says, who makes his angels spirits and his what? His ministers a flame of fire. They are sent to minister to the needs of the saints. And so when we pray, many times God sends us angels. Angels don't come with big white robe and heavy wings. Like we expect in those movies that we see those angels that come. <laughs> they usually come like people that don't look like anything. At times they inhabit the form of the people you know. At times they inhabit the form of real people that you met in a workplace. And you thought that they were just ordinary workers there. And then suddenly you come back there and you say that man that was wearing red. That was here yesterday. That told me I should go to that place. He's the one I've come back to see. And they say there was no man that ever wears red here. Have you ever been there before? That was an angel. That was an angel. And many times we do not understand. We need discernment. Every time I go to a place and I see somebody that just wants to help me and help me and help me, I don't, I don't lose the fact that, yes, there may be staff there, but at this point in time, I am dealing with an angel. You need to understand this. Angels can appear in the form of your spouse so that you can relate with them. But what they are saying with you is completely angelic. That assignment is angelic. It has nothing to do with your relationship with your, your spouse. But if you are insensitive and you afford them in the morning over a bowl of cereal, you will push them away when they are talking to you. <laughs> say, don't tell me that nonsense. You didn't wash your plate in the morning. Now you are saying, God, God, God say I should go to that place. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> you have pushed away an angel. <laughs> You never know how they manifest. It takes the gift of discernment of spirits for us to know. Look at Peter. Peter was about to be killed in Acts chapter 12 when they prayed for him. And the people were praying. The church was praying because this man, had, Herod, had killed James. And Peter was next. When he was about to bring out Peter, the Bible says at that point, let's read verse 7, Acts chapter 12. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, that is Peter, and a light shone in the prison, and he struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying what? Arise quickly, and his chain fell off his hands. Verse 22. Oh no, sorry, that's gone far. I'm supposed to read verse 11 now. And he said, And when Peter had come to himself, that's verse 11, he said, Now I know for a certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jewish people. When the angel touched him by the side, the doors opened by themselves, and Peter found himself walking through a door. A man who was just a few hours away from being killed. May God send you angels. Amen. May God give you discernment to see them. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. We need to understand the, the ability to discern the spirits that are angels. Because many things in life that we suffer is because we did not recognize our angels when they came. I stand before you today as a professional engineer by the grace of God. But I owe it all. 
to one angel of a woman. Some of you have heard that story before that I met in the year 1984 when I had to go to where they process our results. It is called uh, the West African Examination Council at that time. I don't know what they call it now. Waek, yes, in, in Yaba, in Lagos. Are they still there? Ah, that building should be pulled down by now. It's a very old building. But the truth is that I went there just two days to the closing of, my, of our registration. And I was almost being offered industrial chemistry because I did not have my physics re- released. I was just leaving secondary school. And uh, I had to go and bring my physics. I went to the faculty. I said, my mock was good. Can't you see? They said to me, no, that you have to get your originals. Otherwise, if you don't come back in a couple of days with it, we're going to have to change your course. I said, Lord, I was only 16. I told you I got into university just when I crossed 15. In fact, I was still 15. December 1984, I was still 15 and a half. I'd never been to Lagos, and I drove straight. I went straight on a commercial vehicle. I went straight to the office. My grandfather was still alive then, and he lived in Lagos for donkey's years, more than 70 years at that time. And he told me how to get there, and uh, I went to the office in the morning. And when I got there, I saw a queue of over 2,000 people, massive crowd. And I just walked right past them. You know, it's good to have the innocence of a child. If I was older than that, I I would understand that they came for the same thing and stand on the queue and now be praying that one miracle will happen. But the innocence of a young person overtook me. I just walk past all of them as if, I, me, I'm here for something important. All of you here. No? <laughs> I walk past all of them. I got to where they were. And then I got to the gate, to the window that was open by the side. The, lady, the man, it was a man or a woman, I can't remember this particular person, said to me, what, what do you want to do, young man? I said, I came for my physics result. I passed all my subjects, you can see, but my physics is withheld. And the man said to me, or the person said to me, he said, can you see all these people? I said, yeah. He said, they came for the same thing. I said, what? I said, I have only two days here. If not, I'll be thrown out of engineering. I will be thrown out. The guy said, they have the same story. They've all come from different universities the same way like you have come. I said, Lord, what will I do? So out of that confusion, I didn't go back to the queue. I went and I sat down. I went around the corner and sat down to even think what next to do with my life. <laughs> Where I sat, there was a step like this. I sat on it. There was a door behind. Suddenly, after about an hour, the door opened. A woman came out and said, young man, what are you doing here? Nobody should be here. I said, oh, I'm sorry, ma. I'm sorry. I didn't know this was an office. The door was shut. I didn't know this was an office. She said to me, so what can I do for you? I said, oh, well, ma'am, what happened is I gave her my story. And then she said to me, have you paid? Just the way I'm talking to you now, tall woman like that. She said, have you paid? I said, I didn't know I need to pay anything. She said, go to that window there and pay and come back here with your, applica- with your form. Collect the form there, fill it quickly, tell us the subject and all those things, your center and blah, 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 and bring it back. I went. In under 10 minutes, I was back. She said, where you come, knock on this door and I'll, I'll come. When I came, she looked at it, she looked at it, she looked at me again. Say now, go home. When you come, he said, come back tomorrow. Say, when you come tomorrow, come to this door by 9.30 and knock on this door only once so I know it is you. I said, yes, ma'am. 
I don't know who she was. She had all my original credentials, but I went home and I slept. I came back the following morning. Trust me, I was there by nine. But she told me 9.30, so I didn't want to cause any problem for myself. I waited till 9.30. When it was 9.30, I hit the door once. She opened the door and handed me an envelope. She said, don't open it. I can tell you you've passed. If you open it, it invalidates it. You know, this is not the days of IT. I'm talking of 35 years ago, so it's not like... <laughs> if you open this envelope, it invalidates it. It is sealed. Congratulations, you passed. I stood there, I was still saying, thank you, ma. God bless you, ma. I said, go away now, now, now. Nobody must see you here. So I moved with my letter in my hand like that. <laughs> Nobody should touch that letter. <laughs> so, but something said to me, go and ask who this person is. I went to the window. I said, I have just spoken to a woman in that for The guy said, what did you go there to do? I said, I didn't know. I just went there. He said, that is the deputy registrar of the council. Nobody goes to that door. She uses that door to escape people's pressure on the other side. So it's like an escape door for her. And God directed me to that door to go and sit and think about my life. <laughs> I took my result and went to the university. When I threw it on the table... <laughs> They looked at me and said, this man, you are a miracle worker. Nobody gets that result under three weeks. It, is it was impossible. Impossible. I brought it back in two days. I believe that woman was an angel sent from God. An angel came into her, pushed her out. She hardly comes out at that time. She goes out only about 12 for her lunch. Uses that door to escape to her car and that's what she does. But this very day, around about 10 a.m., she came out right when I was sitting there. God will send you your angels Amen. in the name of Jesus. Amen. Finally, I want to say, we also need to know how to discern demonic spirits. I told you I'll get to demons at some point. There are real demons. Ephesians 6.12 tells us that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against what? Principalities and powers. And uh, I'm looking for the verse. That's it. For we do, oops, 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 you're taking me back. Ephesians 6, 12. Thank you. For we do not wrestle, let's read it, against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the high places. The reality is that we do wrestle against these spirits. Not against flesh and blood, but against these spirits. Paul and Silas and Luke and the others with them in Acts chapter 16. For those of you listening to the audio, we read Acts chapter 16, verse 16 to 26 in our Bible reading. You can read it. The whole story is there. But these people got to Philippi, and the Bible says a lady came out, a young lady that had the spirit of divination and was following them for days and was saying, these are the men of the Most High God, the servants of the Most High God. Let us, they have come to show us the ways of God. That sounds good. It sounds right. But it was coming from the devil. And I told you, anytime the devil speaks, even if it is right, it is wrong. Even what he says, if what he says, it is right. The moment the devil comes to you and says, Ephraim, he has lied. Even though your name is Ephraim. But because he said it, it has turned to a lie. That is how he is. He has no capacity to speak the truth. 
So by him saying these are the men of the most high God, if you don't have a discerning spirit, you say, come on, girls, say it the more. Let them hear it. <laughs> we say, shout it out the more. But Paul knew. And now the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, we don't have time. Verse 14, he said, there is no concord between righteousness and unrighteousness. He said, there is, he said, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. He said, for what accord is there between Christ, the spirit of Christ, and Belial? So how can the spirit of divination, you know what divination is? Divination is the spirit of the enemy that stands for everything against God. It is where there is sorcery. It is where there is foretelling. Everything the Holy Spirit came to do in these gifts is also counterfeited in divination. They have word of knowledge, there is divination for it. Haven't you seen that they use magical powers to predict people's future? We have word of wisdom, we have prophecy, foretelling. They do it as well. Just like the magicians were throwing down their rod. So they, they are real forces. But the Bible says that the Bible says that he has overcome them all. Hallelujah. Remember, the Bible says that he has disarmed them and he has overcome them all. The time is coming when their powers will completely cease. For now, they are still manifesting because God, who is, who is infinite in his wisdom, he said to us in Matthew chapter 13, verse 30, he said that let them continue to grow. A time is coming. The reaper will pull down all those things that are the plantings of the devil. And so shall it continue to be in the name of Jesus. The Bible says they were following and they said they are the most high God who proclaimed to us the way of salvation. She did this for many days, but Paul got very annoyed and turned to the spirit. Let's read it. He said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. We need this particular kind of discernment to know. When you don't understand this, you will be agreeing too many times with the devil. You will not agree with the devil. I say you will not agree with the devil. You need discernment of spirit. When we talk about discernment of spirit, there are some spirits that come and you will know immediately that they are demonic spirits because they are doing everything that is contrary to the word of God. But I am making emphasis on this kind that presents like the angel of light. Some of them dress finer than the best dressers and they stand on podiums and speak to thousands of people every Sunday and people get lost in all that euphoria but everything they are manifesting is not of God some of them do things that that come truly like Simon the sorcerer that really looks dramatic and because of that they have some following we need to test all spirits the Bible says that we should learn to test all spirits that we should not allow every spirit to be believed. First John chapter 4 verse 1. He said, do not believe every spirit, but do what? Test the spirits. Test it against the word of God. Whether they are the word of God, whether they are of God or not. Because there are many false prophets like that girl. Many of them are false like that. They say Jesus. They say in the name of Jesus, like sons of Sceva, but they do not have a recognition in heaven. We need to have the discernment of spirit to know. Many people go to prophets and all kinds of people and they say, oh, pastor, it doesn't, they did not ask me to do anything. They just say I should cut something here like that. Just one little cut there. <laughs> that little cut there can mean destiny destroyed. May God deliver every one of us continually. In the name of Jesus. God will begin to open your eyes from today because of the word you have heard. 
not for suspicion, not for presumption, not for assumption, but for pure discernment of spirits. In the name of Jesus. You need it. You need it. Tell your neighbor for me, you need it. And I need it. And we are getting it today. In the name of Jesus. Rise to your feet. We are going to bless the communion right now.